Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. John's Gospel, chapter 20. This is sort of a sequel to Easter. Uh, verse 19, we can pick this up at, I think. This is Easter day, but we will get to the week after Easter as we read this, which is, of course, today. On the evening of that first day of the week, are you all with me, by the way? Verse, verse 19. All those with me say aye. aye. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. With that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Verses 22 and 23 were the subject of our study on uh, Tuesday. Verse 24. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, that means twin. Do you ever wonder what they called the other one? Hmm. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Verse 26, a week later, so here we are, the week after Easter, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. He hadn't been with them the week before. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Let us pray. Father, we ask for your great blessing as we consider this word together. May the power of the Holy Spirit be released freshly among us 
We thank you for all you did last Sunday here. But this is a new day. And this is a new opportunity. And we seize it. So Lord, may your presence and power and your, your activity increase and increase. Do something glorious here today, Lord. And may your word be blessed to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to talk about doubting Thomas today. This isn't part of the Christian calendar, but like I said, it's kind of doubting Thomas Sunday today. This is the Sunday, a week after Easter, where Jesus appeared to Thomas and said to him, you know, you've not believed, why don't you touch me and see for yourself, put your finger, you know, in these holes. And uh, Thomas became a believer uh, in the resurrection of Jesus that day. So sort of doubting Thomas Sunday, if you like, just for fun. Um, I think that when we think about uh, Thomas, let me just bring up a few of these things on the screen here. I want to ask just three questions here this morning about him. Uh, Why did he doubt? Why did he not need to doubt? And how did he overcome his doubts? And of course, you'll know that the purpose of this is not really just to do a biography of a character in the Bible, but to also ask the question, why do we sometimes doubt? Uh, Why do we actually not need to doubt? And how are we going to overcome our doubts? And uh, I'll unpack this as we go through here um, this morning. So let's begin and see if this will work. Why did Thomas doubt? Everyone's knows the name Doubting Thomas. In fact, it's quite hard to even mention the name Thomas from the Bible without adding to it (laughs) Doubting Thomas, which is a shame because um, he just doubted just briefly and um, but but went on to become a great servant of God as you will as you'll hear a little bit later on. Why did Thomas doubt and why do we sometimes doubt. So so here are just a few answers that might just help us. Number one, it seems to have been a part of his personality. There are some people who are, and I'm not now talking about the Christian faith, I'm not talking about religious faith, I'm just talking about part of their personality They are believers. And other people are skeptics or they are not believers. In other words, if you're sitting at home and there's a, like like in the middle of the night, you know, a wind blows through from the bathroom, moves the door. Oh, it must be great uncle Bulgaria returned as a ghost. Never mind the fact that the wind's blowing through the bathroom or anything like that. They are, people, some people are believers. You sit with them and you say, you know what, I, uh, the other day I was, I was walking through a field and I saw this strange light in the sky. And of course it was just a weather balloon or an aeroplane or a police helicopter. But in this world, no, no, this is a UFO. Yeah, it was, it was a UFO from the planet Gallifrey. It, it's, it, it was a UFO. 
in the sky. You know, some people believe things, don't they? They believe things. Uh, oh, uh, and they believe um, conspiracies. Uh, the, yeah, you know, Princess Diana was, you know, assassinated. She didn't, it wasn't an accident. They, they, they believe things. It's just part of their personality. Sometimes I'll go and get my hair cut and I've got a great hairdresser, though you may not think that, but I've got a great hairdresser called, called Emily. She's great because she does what I tell her and it's cheap. Uh, but, but she is, she is a believer. She is a believer. So when I tell her I'm a Christian, she's okay with that. She's not a Christian, but she believes things. So if I told her, oh yes, I've seen this and this happened and this, she just believes it. She's a believer because that's how her brain works. Do you understand what I mean? And other people are just really skeptical people. They don't believe anything. They are doubtful. They want to see it with their own eyes. And what I want to say to you today is both of these kinds of people can become Christians. Yes? And one person who is a believer continues to believe everything even after they've become a Christian. And so they're much more likely to be to buy the latest Christian exciting paperback uh, where the angel Gabriel has just recently appeared in Stoke-on-Trent and s- spoken to the, to the bishop there. You know, they, they don't doubt it. Absolutely. Oh, and it, isn't it wonderful? Gabriel's back. You know, they absolutely love it. They believe anything that they get told. Whereas someone else, someone else who is a more of a skeptical mindset. And, and by the way, in the old days, we used to think of this as men and women, but it's no longer the case. There are plenty of skeptical women and there are plenty of believing men as well. But, you know, it, it, some, it sometimes used to be that women were more open to things, men much more closed. But that's not always the case. And uh, n- not by a long shot. But so you can get a guy come in or, or a girl who becomes a Christian. But even though they become a Christian, they still got that part of their personality that doesn't believe very much. And wants evidence. You, 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 you following what I'm saying today. And both of these people can become, can become Christians. Both of these people can be not Christians. And one operates in a realm of, you know, fantasy. You know, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure I saw a fairy in the garden today. You know, you know, I'm, I, I'm down there with the gnomes and I'm sure the gnome spoke to me. Whereas another person becomes a Christian, they can see a miracle in front of their eyes. They don't believe it. Or they struggle with it. They start there, I have to process this. Did that really happen? You know, etc., etc. So I want to say today that it's probably good, first of all, for you to know who are you in that. Are you a believer? Uh, Are you a believing believer? (laughs) Or are you a doubting believer? And some of that is to do with what church you're in. And I'll come to that in a moment. No, no, it is. Some of that is to do with what what kind of church you're in and who's been mentoring you. Uh, If you get around faith people, you become a person of faith. If you get around doubt people, you become a person of doubt. But So some of it's to do with that. But actually... Very foundationally in your life, there will be a sense in which you're either a believer or not. And so if you are, for example, if you want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, and you have a natural 
we, we, we will put it in these terms, a natural part of your personality doubts things, while on occasion that might be good, to not believe everything that comes out of the charismatic zoo, yet at the same time, there's no, there's no gift of the Spirit which is for skepticism and for cynicism, you see. Cynicism is not a fruit of the Spirit. Can you say amen? Right? Negativity is not a fruit of the Spirit. And even when the Bible says things like, test all things, the next line is, and hold on to the good. And so what, we, what the church doesn't really need any more policemen, spiritual policemen, going around deciding which things are God and which things aren't God. That's, that's not what we need. Especially self-appointed policemen who do that. We are here to test all things, but we hold on to the good. We hold on to the good. And we know that as a, as a charismatic church, a church that believes in the display of God's power today and God being able to speak today, we know there are problems with that. We know that sometimes people prophesy and it just, it just isn't God on that occasion. Or some people say, uh, you know, I, I've been healed and they perhaps weren't healed. We, we, there, are, there are certain problems that do happen. But I tell you this, if you want the treasure, you have to buy the whole field. And so we want to have an atmosphere of faith, not doubt. We want to have, have an atmosphere of belief in God's word. And that's very often when we have a prayer line, you'll hear me say it again and again. Now is the time to believe your beliefs. Now is not the time to analyze your beliefs. Now is the time to believe your beliefs. So Thomas had a natural thing about his personality that made him a bit of a doubter. And there's a couple of verses that just hint at it here. John 11 and verse 16 when they're going to the tomb of Lazarus. Uh... Thomas doesn't say, come on, Jesus, let's go there and raise him from the dead. Thomas says, let's go that we might die with him. That's a bit like me going off to do a healing meeting in Debden and saying to Phil, why don't you come with me? And Phil says, yeah, I'll come with you. Let's have a terrible time. (laughs) Although last time we were late and he drove so fast, I went back in time. (laughs) And it was indeed a terrible time. I know you're listening to this, Phil, but I have forgiven you. (laughs) Not sure Emma has, though. You know when you're driving so fast, you feel the angels leaving the vehicle. (laughs) That's what it was like. I turned to him, but I said, Jesus will get out at 90, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go that we might die with him. Now, I want to say something about Thomas. And we we will come back to this, but let's get a nice balance here. Thomas was prepared to go and die with Jesus. Yeah? So when he, had a, when he was a doubter, that didn't make him less passionate. Can you say amen? Yeah, I wanted, uh, let's just get this absolutely clear. He was a very passionate man. He was dedicated to Jesus, but he had a, he had a propensity to doubt. So doubters are, have a problem but that, well, we're not talking about their character. We're not talking about their dedication. Thomas said, not you're going to Lazarus' tomb. You'll be killed there. I'll go off and have a falafel over here. 
He said, I'll come with you and I'll die with you. So I think that's pretty impressive. On another occasion in John 14 and in verse 5, again, Jesus says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And Thomas says, yeah, but we don't know the way. How are we going to go? There was a sort of a, there's just little hints that he was of a negative disposition. And I promise you, you don't get any points in God's kingdom for being negative. You don't get points for that. You might get points for that down the pub. You might get points for that around cynical, negative people. But you don't get points for that. And you don't get points for that in King's Church. Can you say amen? We are moving to believe our beliefs. That doesn't mean we accept every wind of doctrine and everything that goes on. But we want to buy the whole field. So you might have a, like Thomas, you might have a personality that wants to analyze everything and therefore criticize everything or unpack everything. I want to tell you in the kingdom of God, you can't analyze everything. Do you understand that? Some things are beyond analysis. Now, I know I'll get told off for saying this, but have you ever analyzed kissing someone? More to that. Have you ever analyzed kissing someone while you were kissing them? It will somehow destroy the moment. I promise. Some things can be analyzed, but definitely not at the time. And the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do that glorifies Jesus. And sometimes it's odd to us and sometimes you'll hear strange stories. And it's not that it can't be analyzed, but it should certainly not be analyzed at the time. Sometimes we just need to allow God's breath to blow through and do something. Test all things for sure, but hold on to the good. So he seems to have had a a doubtful bit of his personality. And if you have that, don't be cross with me, but you do have a problem. This is not a license to have that. It's, 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 It's a diagnosis that says, actually, you need to take some spiritual medicine to bring some change to this. But it might have been that you've been like this all your life. might be nothing to do with Christianity. It might be that you were a doubter before. All the more amazing that you converted to Christ in many ways. Number two. Number two, he had just experienced recently a massive disappointment. Jesus had died, hadn't he? And they weren't expecting that. He died. Thomas had just had a huge disappointment. Jesus had died. They weren't expecting Jesus to die. They were expecting Jesus to win. Now he told them again and again, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. On the third day I will rise again. But you know, don't you? They didn't get it. They just didn't really get it. So let's just be a bit human about Thomas now. And also I want, to, I want us to remember that when Jesus appeared on Easter day, he showed them his hands and side. So they became believers when they saw as well, you know, the other guys, the other ten. Thomas was a, was a human being. 
he had experienced a terrible disappointment. Maybe Thomas thought that Jesus really would come down from the cross. Maybe Thomas thought that as Jesus was heading towards Golgotha, that angels would appear and rescue him from the scene. And it didn't happen. Can you sympathize with that? Can you empathize with that? Believing that God is going to do this very thing. And the problem we have, and I've had this problem and you've had this problem, is the thing that we were sure that God was going to do, God was never going to do it. Can you say amen? It's not that God failed us. It's just that we had something written in our diary for God to show up and do that wasn't in God's diary to do. And when that happens, not that God has failed us because God didn't fail them when he died on the cross. But he failed their expectation, perhaps. And God many times will fail my expectation. But he hasn't failed me. In fact, he's for me. He's so for me, he's ensuring that his will is done instead of mine. And thank God for that. Sometimes, when we pray, Lord, let your will be done, we really mean let my will be done. Come on. Come on now. I've said this many times, but it amuses me. We believe here in praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. And it's not always clear exactly what praying in other tongues is. We speak mysteries unto God, but we believe we pray in the will of God, don't we? And I wonder sometimes, if, we, if only we could interpret our tongues, how odd it would be. We say, Lord, I really want this house. Lord, I've got to have this house. Lord, ensure that this house is priced low and I've got the money to buy it. And Lord, I want this house. I'm claiming this house. You sneaked in in the middle of the night, put your foot there and gone everywhere. My foot will rest belongs to me. The burglar alarm goes off and you run away. One time, a friend and I, we were looking at a property and the window opened. What do we do? I said, why don't you go in and have a look? (laughs) It was a church building. It wasn't a private property. I said, why don't you have a look at it? He said, well, why don't you have a look at it? You're smaller than me. You can fit through this. (laughs) You can fit through this window. So we went in and had a look. And I waited for the report outside. Like Joshua sending in the spies. (laughs) What am I talking about? (laughs) Lord, give me this house. I want this house in Jesus' name. It's the perfect place for me to be. And then you start. If only you could interpret it. If only you could interpret the tongue. You know what it's saying? Do you, you, you know what you're praying? You're praying, cancel that prayer, Lord. This is not the house for me. It's lousy and I need to be somewhere else. Thomas's expectations. It wasn't that God had failed him, but he'd failed his expectation. God has never failed you. He never will. 
But many times he's failed our expectations, hasn't he? And, and we don't bring blame to him for that. I know we're not blaming him for that. We're grateful for that. We're grateful for that. Thank God we didn't get every job we asked for. Thank God you didn't marry that guy. Well, I'm not so sure. You know, he was nice. Look what I've ended up with now. People are amazed I've got a beautiful wife. They say, where did you get that wife? I said, I got mine from God. Where did you get yours from? Thank God he didn't marry everyone he wanted to marry. Thank God he didn't get every job he wanted to get. Thank God God has the key of David. And what he shuts, no one can open. And if anything, you want to go home and say, Lord, I thank you for every time a door shut in my face. We don't like temporary traffic lights, do we? We don't, in fact, we don't like any traffic lights. But you've got to have traffic lights. If you don't, you have a crash. And I want to thank God for every traffic light of red in your life and mine that got you frustrated and revving your engine and come on, come on. Someone tell me at the end of this service, will the traffic light really change if I flash my lights at it? I'm led to believe it will. But it hasn't worked yet. Thomas had a massive disappointment. When you have a massive disappointment, you start to doubt. Let me take a minute here. We're talking about two kinds of doubt. I suppose at the, at the very worst extreme, there's real fundamental doubt. Someone terribly close to you dies. Or you become terribly unwell. Or something terrible happens. And there can be the most extreme case. You begin to doubt, does God even exist? Has all this just been a farce, you know? That's an extreme thing. And it happens occasionally to some. But what we're talking more about here is a doubt in the reality of God's presence with me now. Is God really still with me now? Many times we've been through difficulties and it's not that you doubt that God exists, but you begin to doubt that God exists for you. You believe in the manual, but you start to doubt the Emmanuel. Is God really with me? Can I believe him again? Dare I pray again? Because it all went unanswered, you know. And just as in the case of Thomas, I want you to be able to forgive yourself. If you've had a massive disappointment, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for having doubts and sadnesses. I think we grieve for many things in life, don't you? Not just people who've died. I think we grieve for all kinds of things. The death of dreams. The destruction of our hopes. Something that was on our agenda but wasn't on heaven's agenda. It can happen to you. It happened to him. It certainly happened to me. Number three. Why did he doubt? He missed the meeting. (laughs) Yeah, he did. For some reason... Thomas had something better to do on Easter Day. (laughs) Well, and he missed it. He missed the resurrection. 
And Jesus, being a gracious man, gave him a repeat showing. But he missed the resurrection. What was he doing? What was, could possibly have been on TV? What could possibly have been more important for a disciple of Jesus than being with the believers? What could possibly have been there? You know, like that. By the way, this is certainly not a, a, a any bile from me about Chris's going on holiday. Go on holiday. You, you do need it. But this guy missed the meeting and that's why he doubted. There's a reason we have church. There's a reason we get together. It's to inspire one another in our faith. You show me a Christian not in church, I show you a Christian not on fire. For sure. You show me a Christian not mixing with other believers, I show you a Christian not in line with God's word. You show me a Christian not gathering together for worship with others, I show you a Christian going colder and colder and colder. That's what happens. You take the coal out of the fire, goes cold. Put the coal in the fire, gets hot. That's what it's about. And this guy missed the meeting. Isn't it terrible? Isn't it true that whenever God does something amazing, that's always the meeting that you missed? Isn't that true? Oh, were you at the meeting where the, the, the angel Gabriel appeared on the stage? No, I, I was in Swindon that day. Oh, were you, at that, were you at that Tuesday night when the glory of God rolled in? No, I, I, I had to go and see my mum then. Or, you know, whatever it might be. Well, again, you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself. These things do happen. But can I tell you this? Don't miss anything. God is a... A God on the move. And sometimes the, the, let me just share candidly with you. Sometimes the journey of a church, each meeting is another episode in its history. There's no such thing as a a meeting that's not important. And and sometimes you get people addicted to soap operas, you know, and they, uh, they can't see episode 2014 yet because they haven't seen 2012 and 13. They've got to, you know, get on the BBC iPlayer or whatever, ITV, catch up. Because each episode is important. And I believe that when a church is on fire, and thank God this one is, when a church is on fire, each gathering is part of its history. There's no incidental gathering. There's no meeting that, you know, doesn't really matter. Each gathering is part of the history of the church. Each Next meeting. This meeting is the next part of our history today. And Tuesday night and other times we meet is the next part. It's the next part. This poor fella missed the meeting. And so he wasn't able to share in the impartation of faith that was granted as the believers were together. He made a mistake. It's forgivable, but he had to learn to change that because we noticed he was at their meeting next week. Why did he doubt? For these reasons. Why do we doubt? I suggest for these reasons. 
Either we're out of fellowship. Either we have gone through a period of great suffering and therefore believing God to do something powerful is becoming weaker in us. And sometimes it's just part of our personality that we need to align with the word of God. Just very quickly, my time has gone, but I just want to see if I can do a few more of these. Why did he not need to doubt? I'm just going to bring all these up and we'll just share them very, very quickly. He didn't need to doubt because he'd spent three years with Jesus and he'd never known him fail. Number two, Jesus predicted the resurrection and told him personally. You can read that in John 14. And so the reason he didn't need to doubt was because Jesus was enough. And if Jesus said, I'm going to die and rise again, then that's exactly what was going to happen. He had to learn that faith is not the absence of doubt, but overcoming doubt by trusting the Lord. Can I say that again? Faith is not the absence of doubt. To be a person of faith doesn't mean you don't have doubts. You overcome them though by putting your trust in God's word. I've told the story so many times of how Phil and I went to Saffron Walden, not very far from here. And a few years ago, we were having enormous publicity, people being cured and meetings going on to three in the afternoon, people being healed. And a pastor phoned me and he said, uh, did you want to, in fact, I think I phoned him. And we made this arrangement that we would go over one Sunday night and pray for the sick. And uh, I said, how many people normally come? Oh, about 10, 12. So I said, okay, okay. So we, so we drove over there. And I was thinking, of, I thought, what does a meeting of 10 or 12 look like? Is, it, is everyone sitting in a circle, you know? Well, I didn't know what it, what, it, what it would look like. And when we got there, we walked in. And the hall was packed. And I've never seen so many oxygen machines and sticks. People deaf and uh, uh, disabled in various ways. And I remember I looked at Philly, looked at me, I thought, oh, we're finished here. I was expecting a little house group, maybe a couple of people with a headache and someone with some bad dreams and sitting at the, the illest people we've ever seen. And I remember getting up and preaching, and I've told this story many times, but I, I preached as long as I could because I wanted to get away from the bit where I had to say, is anyone here sick? So I kept preaching. I was a three-point sermon. I added another couple of points to it, lengthened it out. And I was so terribly nervous. Well, to cut a long story very short, the power of God fell in that place and people were cured very, very quickly, um, um, a deaf lady began to hear, and it's just amazing. But, I, but at the time, at the time, I was as scared as can be. Doubt, it's, it's, it's not a sin as such, but it's something we have to deal with. And we overcome it by putting our trust in God's word. What does God's word say? Not how do I feel. Or not even what's been my most recent experience. Don't disobey the second commandment. Don't make a God in your image. Make a God in the Bible's image. 
and uh, you'll see that God in action. Just finishing, three thoughts. How did he overcome his uh, doubts? How did he overcome his doubts? Number one, he gathered with the believers again. There's something about Thomas. He was unconvinced still. He didn't gather with the believers because he believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They weren't expecting Jesus. They locked the door. So Thomas hadn't come to, uh, to be convinced, but he was still seeking truth. And he hadn't seen this miracle for himself, but those other ten men had. So a week later, and maybe earlier of course, he returns to be in their presence. If you want to be a person of faith, get around some other people of faith. If you want to have lots of doubt and unbelief in your life, hang around with those people. That's exactly what will happen to you. If you want to be a person who believes God for impossible things, has an optimistic spirit, believes that the the kingdom of God is here now, hang around people who also believe that. He gathered with the believers again. And it revived him. Secondly, he had his personal encounter with Jesus. As we know, Jesus arrived and had him, you know, you know touch me, etc. And sometimes we, we might feel full of doubts. We might feel full of disappointments. But the Lord can touch us even there. Because it's not how we feel. It's about what he's written. And what is true. Thirdly, he had to learn that believing is seeing. Jesus says to him, well, you've believed because you've seen, but it's more blessed if you haven't seen, yet have believed. And he had to learn that. And we might have to learn that too. Just finally, what happened to Thomas in the future? Of course, he was one of the Pentecostal preachers. In Acts chapter 2, it says Peter stood up with the eleven. So Thomas became a preacher. Thomas was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. Thomas stood on the steps of the temple at Pentecost and preached to the crowd along with Peter. And historically we know that uh, he later went on to preach in the land of India where he was martyred for his faith. Martyred for his faith. What a turnaround. Martyred for what faith? His faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His faith in the nearness of Emmanuel in his life. So you might be someone who's had a disappointment or two. You might have a propensity to doubt. Well, there's hope for you. And there's hope for me. This man was transformed by being with the believers, by having a personal encounter with God for himself. And you can be too. Get away from the unbelievers, get with the believers, and get into the presence of God. And you'll be transformed just the same as him. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, 
or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.